relax. Those beats mean you're now listening to the very real people in places that supply your high. This is Grown Local with Billy Wayne Davis and Mike McGowan. Mike and I fell in love with this place. David did as well. And we started to talk about how we can give back. And we were like, let's just do what we do at the Matil Center and try to raise as much money as possible. And this is the first year we want to come back next year and do it bigger. So, so yeah. So we'll just start planning that now. Guys, thank you so much. Enjoy the panel. Guys, please welcome David from Great Moments in Weed History. And I'll let him introduce the panel. And I'm going to go shut up until I'm going to be funny later. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for coming out. Thank you for welcoming us to this incredible place, which is in of itself uh, a part of this weed history story here in Humboldt. So let's give it up for the Mateel Center for having us. We want to welcome everybody listening live on KMUD right now. Oh! Those of you, tr those of you trimming along at home. <laughs> this is like the old time radio story hour. Um, we hope we keep you good company and we look forward to smoking the buds that you are uh, lovingly manicuring. Um, so I do a podcast called Great Moments in Weed History and that's a 10,000 year story. Cannabis is probably the first plant that was grown on purpose and dawned agriculture. And of all the stories that we've done and looking at this incredible history of this plant, which has ups and downs, of course, the story of Humboldt County and specifically the story of KMUD and the Citizens Observation Group that rallied this community against some really dark forces, I think is one of the most hopeful stories in the long history of cannabis and one of the most important ones. And I really wanted to honor some of the people and this institution, KMOD, that played that role and that really changed the trajectory of this story. Um, you know, when people are treated as outlaws and as criminals, and when people are marginalized, I don't have to tell anybody here the hard and terrible parts about that, but there are some beautiful parts of that, which is mutual support, which is bringing a community together, which is learning how to take care of each other. And, you know, as a visitor here, uh, somebody who's written a lot about this plant, there's nowhere that does it like Humboldt County. Um, and we thank you and we honor you. And I would just like to kick it to this esteemed panel um, who's going to talk a little bit about that history and start with introducing themselves. And we'll start with Agnes. And you are an original part of that Citizens Observation Group. So maybe you can talk about how that started and why that started and, 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 and what that brought into your life. I'm Agnes Potok, and I'm with KMUD. I do two shows on KMUD, and I've lived in this community um, over 40 years now. And uh, I, it became really obvious that we were living in a police state for growing marijuana. And a group of us that have been activists 
before that, you know, just trying to stop Diablo Canyon nuclear power plant or trying to stopping the spraying or what, you know, we had that in us and we knew we had to stop what was going on. So a few of us got together and we decided we were gonna follow where camp was. And it was me and PB and a guy named Dominic and Ursi, they've all since left the area, but we all went out on this old Dodge Dart I had and we went out to Harris, and it started raining, and they left. So we, our first time out, we really didn't um, uh, get to experience what they were doing, but we immediately knew that we had to do something. And um, even though we didn't have the radio yet, and we didn't have, you know, internet or anything, we just posted signs everywhere in town, word of mouth. And we all met. We all met out at beginnings, and that was the beginning of, you know, starting it. And we did role-playing and how, you know, people should react to the, you know, to them coming to their homes and stuff. And it was, uh, it was very empowering. And um, as hard as it was a lot of times, um, I would do it all over again. Even though there's a lot of real fancy, fancy dispensaries in the big cities, you know, like if you ever go to real fancy wine tasting, that's how the dispensary lounges are now. And uh, they don't have a clue of what we went through in this community. And it was hellacious. And I think anyone that's sitting here and lived through it knows exactly what I'm talking about. And, you know, there's humor in a lot of it because people did play jokes on, tried to play jokes with them and stuff. And we'll share more stories about that. But that was... Um, how I, you know, I was, I came here as an activist and I immediately got involved because um, I, the first time the helicopters came was a double Huey right out of Vietnam. I was living on the Matole River and I had an open outhouse and I was sitting in the outhouse when I heard a helicopter and I had nowhere to go and he literally hovered over me. I could see right in the guy's face and I just sat there like this, you know, <laughs> and, um, and, when, and when he finally left, I just felt like I'd just been psychologically raped and I knew we had to stop it. And that, this is just, is this on? That's an incredibly unique situation, you know, People have been getting messed with, and I choose that word carefully because we're on K-Mud for a long time. But this is the place where people came together to stand up for this plant, to stand up for what's right. And like, we're standing in this testament to not just the bad stuff that this community fought against, but the beautiful alternative culture that was built as a part of it. And um, for our next esteemed panelist, Sunshine, you were a part of this story, but in a, in a in a different way and at a different time in your life and, and have a unique relationship to Agnes. So tell and us I about that. Well, this is my mom here. And I do think I remember that first COG meeting at the Garberville Library. Um, I thought it was the beginnings. I but can't remember, never. but I almost think it was at the library. It was kind of interesting. I don't know, but it was like, and then... Yeah, the first time you, you went out, this is, you know, they're like driving back roads. They don't have no four-wheel drive. They're in a freaking Dodge Dart, like driving around with their cameras. <laughs> yeah, so, and it was also, it was, it was, it was, um, it felt like terrorism, really. It began with story, more and more stories of young families with young kids, and it was just one story after another, and 
families taking their kids and hiding under logs while there's like cops just rammaging through like all their stuff and all their houses and it was it just felt really violent and I think that was what really like got my mom and the adults to want to form the citizens observation group and start following and also coming up with a protocol on how to like deal with cops and how to talk to them so yeah. And can you tell to give us a, a sense of where this has gone since then? What do you What do you do now? Oh shoot, that's not. This is much more interesting. <laughs> but you're growing cannabis, right? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure, always. I mean, always. if you want to know what's going on now, they're back. I mean, yeah, this. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they're back. And well, that, that's well, part, that's part I mean, of why I thought it would be a good time to talk about this because, you know, it's. A difficult moment in this county. I'm, we're guests here, but we see it and we feel it when we talk to people. But I think also when we look back at these other moments and realize how this community rose to the moment, I'm sure during the darkest times of that, it seemed like it was never going to end and it was never going to get better. Yeah, when you're going like two ounce seed plants like on the north face of the mountain in the shade, yeah, you're starting to feel a little bit like, can't get any worse than this. You know? And so the next element that comes into play is how do you get the word out to people in real time to understand what's happening with law enforcement and how they can protect themselves and that is a part of the origin story of KMUD itself. So for our next guest, uh, can you just tell us more about KMUD? What KMUD is about, what it means to this community? <laughs> yeah. Um, hi, my name is Wendy Kornberg, and uh, it's funny because when we talk about KMUD radio, when we talk about childhood living here in Humboldt County, in, in Southern Humboldt specifically, all of us have stories about KMUD. Like, KMUD was our connection to the world. We didn't have electricity at the time, so like, when I was little, we had hurricane lantern, well, we call them hurricane lanterns, I guess they're uh, kerosene lanterns, right? With a little whoop. So that was how I grew up. We had that for light, and we had a hand-cranked radio that I think had batteries also at the very beginning. We did get a generator, and you know, eventually we got like an indoor toilet, which was like super bougie back then. And, uh, but KMUD Radio was story time on Sunday mornings, which I think we still do it, right? Yeah. And uh, quickly evolving into what I recall as was CLIMP, Civil Liberties Monitoring Project. And that was a group of people that as KMUD evolved, we realized we needed a way to communicate with everybody regardless of where you were in the community because when camp was flying, you needed to know where they were going. When the convoys were on the roads, we wanted to know as soon as they took the road off of the main road, we wanted to know exactly what road they were on. And so one of my neighbors growing up was Bonnie Blackberry, and she was a huge advocate in that scene, and you know, I, my recollection at any rate is that she was one of the integral people that, man, she was always, always on like a phone or a radio or something getting word out that like, okay, they're over here. And because our property was on the top of Pratt Mountain overlooking, like we could often see where the helicopters were flying in the valley. So we're like, okay, they're headed towards Salmon Creek. Okay, they're headed towards this area. They're headed out towards Neeland. They're headed out somewhere. And um, it was a really integral part on how people were able to evade camp as well as they were. You know, if you knew they were headed your direction, you figured, everybody figured it out. As soon as they took one of those back roads, it was like you had people at the bottom of the road that would cut a tree down 
to slow them down so everybody else could get out to their patches and like harvest as fast as they could and drag it out into the woods in a tarp. We called it burrito weed. You'd wrap it up like a burrito, stick it <laughs> under something, and hope that it was still there when you came back. And um, it was, you know, it was really one of the ways we kind of came together as a community was through this radio station. And I'm super honored and blessed that it still exists. It still happens. We still have reports. We still, you know, we're still here, still rocking it. Yeah, I think, you know, this plant itself is very resilient, as we all know, you know, and can meet so many of our human needs. And uh, we as a culture and you as a county and as really the cradle of this culture have shown that same resiliency. And, and I think that that's a core value that a lot of us have learned from this plant. And it's something that we know we can rely on whatever comes next and looking back at you know there's an element it's for one radio station to have children's story time hour and we're doing surveillance on the cops <laughs> speaks to the heart of this community so thanks for sharing that um steve some thoughts to add about kmud and your role in everything Agnes, uh, when the helicopters came, I was right there with you. <laughs> okay? And I made a, sure I kind of jumped up and down so they could definitely see it. Uh, that being the middle finger for our radio listeners. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. And, and then uh, your experience, too, you know, is I totally I, 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 I deal with it. And it's somehow something that we've all had to adapt to. You know, anyway, I'm Steve Dodge, and uh, uh, short bio, I've been here since 78. Uh, I do the cannabis show with Sunshine over here, and uh, I wouldn't have been able to do that uh, if it wasn't for KMUD. And honest to God, people, if I'd been in San Francisco and I'd gone to a public radio station and said, hey, I got a great idea, I don't think I ever would have seen the light of day. Uh, not that they're evil or bad or anything. It's just KMUD has been a blessing to me and to our community. So um, uh, I, it, it, you can't give too much money to KMUD. <laughs> that's, that's and actually, real quick, our, we had a cannabis show before there was a cannabis show. Betty Etter used to do Homegrown Tomatoes. Yes, and always, exactly right. Uh, I've got a problem with my tomato plants. <laughs> Like, ah, yes, it sounds like your tomatoes might have spider mites. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and, and it's a shame that, you know, the community has had to do that sort of under-the-table kind mm -hmm. of double talk. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, even now, with uh, legalization, which is... Uh, but uh, I don't want to talk about legalization. <laughs> or maybe we will, David. Well, um, let's... let's Let's keep it where we're at in the, in the early days of this because I think the most positive things that came out of this, like this place that we're standing in to some extent, um, and a lot of the culture that was created here over decades was part of, as you said, a big commercial station, even in a place like San Francisco where a lot of people smoke weed and, and enjoy smoking weed, they didn't see it as important to people's lives. They didn't understand it the way this 
community from well, being I, close to the plant I does. I think that that's a key point, you know, and that's why K-Mud was so important to us, is it actually saw it, K-Mud, and the people, more importantly, the people yeah, in K-Mud, mm -hmm. you know, saw it as actually a personal issue. Yeah, yeah, and there was a, there was a, there, there's a lot of causes going on at that time, too. It wasn't just like, wasn't just like tracking helicopters, too. We were like watching very closely this, the total devastation of old growth redwoods at that time. And they came and did a lot of reporting around redwood summer and around that time. My mom was there. She helped do some of that reporting. And so, but anyway, there's a number of causes. So it's, um, yeah, it serves a lot, the awesome. community. And Agnes, can you talk about sort of, um, the spirit of rebellion to it and maybe the spirit of fun in that and how did you stay inspired to do that work that uh, had obvious difficult parts to it but how did you make it something sustainable? We all loved marijuana. <laughs> how about you out there? Anybody love marijuana? <laughs> we were just fighting all the time, you know? Yeah, we were, it was... Um, yeah. It was really something, but it, it uh, and we all just started it because like when most people came here in the 70s, they didn't come here with the idea of growing marijuana. It was like back to the land and wanting, you know, to understand the relationship with the earth and, you know, f be around like-minded people. But we all smoked weed, you know, so then we, you know, we didn't even have buds. We'd just grow some weed and, you know, our friends from the city would come up and, you know, oh, my God, they're even willing to pay. I can maybe get some new tires on my car now. You know, um, Ag Agnes, I really miss that, that part where I was just growing some weed and it wasn't a big revenue source. It was just... I was just growing some weed. Look what I got. Yeah, well, look at the, the way the prices are now. I guess that's where we're going. <laughs> it's yeah, gone full circle, truth? Steve. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think just living up here, when people came in, you know, in, in the 70s and 60s, 70s, 80s, um, they were rebellious anyway. That's why they came here. You know, it was like we didn't fit into the mold of, of what society says that you should be and how you should be and who you should be. And uh, I mean, I even had my own personal experiences as a person of color coming into this community. There weren't many around. There was one other woman. <laughs> and so that was just something new to me too, to be treated some the way I was sometimes. But we all came together. We just had a way of coming together. And uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of funny stories about camp. And, but I, you know, I laugh about it, but a few weeks ago, I live right above Garberville, and I came down a hill in my neighborhood, and there were four sheriff cars and two water, you know, whatever that organization, whatever the water people are, and a truck with the big, you know, the, you know, the big campers, whatever, you know, the wagons that you take the weed away. Only, and I knew the people in the house there. It was in a neighborhood, and I came down. I just was in shock. I mean, I literally went into shock. I turned the corner and I started to go up the hill and I just started crying. I just couldn't stop crying. It just, I, you know, it was a young family with a baby in the house. And I got to the top of the hill and I called my husband and said, you won't believe what's happening down the hill, honey. Called my son who knew the people in the house and they already all knew, I don't know how they know all that stuff. But I, and then it turned out they got served a paper for some water fine in Trinity County I mean, they could have just brought one person, knocked on the door, and gave them the paper. So to bring all that police presence 
It was ludicrous. And then they went out to uh, near Blocksburg and they did the same thing to a young family, only they went to the ROM house and they pulled guns and it was just, you know, the same ones that I had seen. It was a little while after that. So it's, you know, they're around and they're, and they're using, you know, excuses of um, you're using too much water, the wa and whatever they can find, um, they're doing that. And, um, and it's because they want to get rid, I personally believe they want to get rid of the small farmers and because America's <coughs> corporations, that's what America is. And, you know, they want the corporations. And I think as Wendy called it earlier, wal Walmart weed. Um. Actually, I have a different, I think they're kind of, yeah, sometimes I think they also target us because they think we're easy. And I think sometimes they're like, oh, these other people, they're going to be harder to deal with. You know, we can like go after them or something or it's just. But well, Sunshine, Sunshine, why do you think the cops are so light on the cartels? I the cartels are going to fire back, yeah. <laughs> right? I yeah, mean, you know, so. that, and, and I don't have any evidence of that, but it seems obvious on the face. Um, and and uh, all, these, all these hippies in the hills, uh, well, you, you're not going to come out shooting. You've got a baby on your hip. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, it's like really, you said, it's ludicrous. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that, and that is very true. I remember we, uh, me and PB, and I believe it was Mokai, we went out with, um, uh, it was uh, a television, PBS from the Bay Area, and they were doing a half-hour thing about, you know, they had heard about camp and they wanted to experience it. So, you know, so let's, you know, we went in their cars with them and they, um, they ended up in Spy Rock down in Mendocino County. But, you know, and they had... I mean, they just did damage to this young family, and this woman was standing there, and they're interviewing her, and she's holding the baby, and I could just feel, you know, she was trying to be really nice, and as soon as she stopped the interview, she looked at me, and I took her in my arms and held her for at least five minutes as she cried, you know, because you just needed that human touch, because you do feel like you're psychologically being raped when the police come do that to you, and I just, you know, it's a friggin' weed. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I think let's, let's talk, let's pivot from there to looking forward, I think as an outsider and not having lived through what anyone here has lived through, but having thought about a lot of this, having interviewed a lot of people as a journalist, I don't think there's any better place to have this fight for the soul of the plant than here. I think there's so, for all of the troubles, that's where the strength and resiliency has been built. That's where the community has been built to rally around this plant. And we do have this plant as our ally. And we do see the world coming around to that view. Capitalism is going to be capitalism. The police are going to be the police. And those are problems everywhere and with everything. But if we're going to look at this plant as a place to take a stand, and this stand has been going on for decades, this is the place to do it. This is where the small farms still are. This is where the knowledge base about this plant resides. This is where the battle-scarred people who have not given up are ready to keep going. And uh, it, from the, can you talk about KMOD is, is the voice of this community. What do you see as the strengths of this community that are gonna let this community 
push through and survive and ultimately thrive. Because I can tell you as a journalist and as somebody goes around the country talking about this plant, people know Humboldt, but they don't know everything. And we have to teach them because when people understand this story, they're gonna wanna come here, they're gonna wanna buy cannabis from here. When it's open to all 50 states, it already means something. It's not a brand, it's not BS, it's real. And so how do we tell that story to people so that as we push through this second wave of BS, there's the happy story at the other end? Yeah, um, I think that just, yeah, I think that we, um, Let's see. I had it all. <laughs> um, anyway, we. It's it's in our really in our strength of, of resistance and fighting, and so we've always fought for this plant, and I think that now you know it's just it's it's just that fighting spirit. To be honest, okay, like the two fifteen days, those were easy. It was, people got really complacent and people got really comfortable. When this legal game hit, oh yeah, I had the fear kicked in me like helicopters. I was freak, man. And in some ways, I was like, you know, it feels good to be scared again. I like this. This is this is where I'm at. I'm like, I got this. You know, I'm like, I'll be, you know. So it kind of like, it gave me a certain strength to just carry on. And and also the other thing too that I've come to notice just living here is that I really grew up in a community of growers. And as a child, being able to talk to adults and talk to people about, about growing, um, and just from the time I was just a kid, like it was this growing up in a community of growers. And I find that just so unique and so different. And sometimes I feel we almost just speak a language of our own. We're, those of us who share these experiences. But Sunshine, we do. <laughs> we actually do speak yeah. a language of our own. And, and uh, anybody who's lived here knows that you can't just walk into the community, okay? You need a little time. You need to adapt. People need to trust you, okay? You have to be incorporated into the community. And then once you're in, that sounds awful, but once you're in, you're really in, you know? Because now you're, you're trusted, right? And, and uh, I think that's a big part of mm -hmm. why we'll be in the end, after all the pain I'm envisioning, um, we, <laughs> we, will be, we will be good, you know, because. And I think, yeah, I mean, I think also part of our legacy is that we took in a lot of weed refugees when Prop, once Prop 215 came and there were people from like, they were just tired of going to jail in their state for seeds and stems. And they're just like, I love this, whatever. And they, they knew about Humboldt, knew about weed and they showed up here and we, you know, and we showed them out a farm and and um, yeah, so we had weed refugees and then we had, you know, some dealers come in too with the green rush and then they were like growing and starting to blow things up and grow a little bigger. But I think but too, part of us is the welcoming. We did bring in a lot of weed refugees here. To I was going to say in the, the community is a huge part of what makes us different as well. Like we don't just have a community of weed growers and, you know, 
dealers and all of that, we actually have a community that came together for greater issues. We came together over advocacy over saving the trees. We came together over saving the fish. We really had a robust community of environmentalists and that kind of directed and uh, dictated how we cared for our land. And I think our land stewardship in this community sets us apart well above and beyond any other community in the United States at least, if not the world when it comes to cannabis. We grow regeneratively kind of as a staple I mean, the first time I heard the regenerative word, like regenerative farming, it was the Emerald Cup and there was the Regenerative Farm Award. And I went, what is regenerative farming? I don't even understand what this is. And I looked it up on my phone and I went, okay, regenerative means you put more back than you took out. Well, duh, how else do we grow things? And I literally had to stop and think about like the great cornfields, right? That were causing the runoff to go in and kill the Gulf. And I was like, oh yeah. Commercial industrial agriculture, I totally forgot about that, that that is the main way people grow things. And cannabis is, for me, huge in our community because it's an industry that's been here forever and yet somehow it's evolving and new and an emerging industry. And so that gives us some like real bones. There's a strong backbone of how to do things correctly that's already set. And we just gotta have everybody else listen to us. So the more we talk, the more we get out. And part of this, it's interesting, you guys were bringing up the, the water board and CDFW and the DCC that came out and were tagging water lines. That actually was in my neighborhood as well. They went up my road, which has five people that live on it, and I'm the only one up there that grows any amount of weed. And it was the first time I missed the bus for school. So I had to take my, young, my oldest daughter to school in Weot. My youngest daughter was home alone, which I never do. And uh, I got a call. I was actually listening to KMUD and nothing was on the radio. I was like, oh, cool, I'm just taking my time going home. And my neighbor called and said, um, the caravan's headed up Shop Road. That's your road, isn't it? And I panicked. I cannot tell you. Like, I'm literally shaking now thinking about it. The panic that set in, this was, like we said, what, a couple, two, a month ago, something like that. I instantly, in my head, was flashes of, I have too many plants. I don't have six personal use plants, I have like 18. And they're like in one gallon pots and I never planted them, but, but that's too many. And my kids, they're home alone and I'm gonna get there and they're gonna all be up my road for some reason, I don't know why. And my child is gonna be, you know, crying in the backseat of a cop car and I'm gonna get locked up and, 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 and I was just like, whoa, my God. I was driving 80 miles down the road. I was calling my fiance in tears, just abject terror. And it's because our road wraps around to the road they were trying to get to. And if you GPS it in, it tries to take you up our private road. And I was like, we locked the gate, right? And he goes, no, I forgot to lock the gate. And I'm like, oh my God. And it was, <clears throat> you know, that is still something that is so in our core, in our gut of this community. And that's why it was so hard for us to speak out and why it's so hard to get those stories out there because we are still living with that kind of fear every single day. So to get the story, how do we get the story out? We have to get over that. We have to get beyond that. We have to lean in our community and say, okay, my neighbor texted me and then she kept in contact with me while I was driving, figuring it out. No, we just saw them on Bryceland Road. They must have left your road, you're probably okay. I think everything's fine, just drive safely, slow down, you're gonna be okay. I'm gonna try and get out and get to your house, you know? My fiance James is like, I'm turning around, I'm coming home, I'm gonna get there. And, and uh, David, you, you, did you hear that? Because that's exactly, you're exactly right. That's what makes this particular area, this particular yeah. community so strong. Because I know it sounds 
you know, hippy-dippy, but we care about each other. We actually do, you know, and I have to add that part. We actually do, <laughs> you know, and um, uh, it's, it's, it's that sort of thing that in the end, I mean, I, I sometimes get combative about these things. I'm thinking, go ahead, poke us, do it. Go ahead, poke us and see what happens, okay? Because uh, we modified the building code, okay? We built uh, Mateel. We made a hospital. We made a radio station, okay? Are you really going to mess with us? Okay? I mean, you got to poke a little bit, but then suddenly we're on it, right? And I know that sounds hopeful, and when I tell that to people who aren't from this area, they go, oh, <laughs> sure, sure, you old man. But, <laughs> you know. Well, I think that, that that really nails the point of why I'm so inspired when I come up here without having blinders on. I'll admit, the first time I came to Humboldt County, I was like, it's just going to be the happiest place in the world with no problems <laughs> and weed everywhere and la di da da di da da You can only imagine what a kid from New Jersey uh, thought. And, of course, some of those uh, myths were dispelled, <laughs> needless to say. But I found something even more inspiring and even more real, which is a community that looks out for its own. And I just think when we look at communities struggling everywhere, okay, this, I don't, I don't want, I'm not talking about anyone specific, but I think we can say Humboldt County is a net exporter of cannabis. <laughs> I, I have no idea. <laughs> out of this county about. and maybe even a little made it out <laughs> well, of the state over the David, years. David, Humboldt, the word Humboldt uh, was branded in Chicago in 78. Okay, I was doing a, doing a big grow down in northern Mendo, and uh, um, one of my guys, right, was from Chicago, and we were talking. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, everyone knows about Humboldt, but no one can get it. Yep. So it ends up being legendary, and this was in 78. So uh, for all the farmers out there, hold on to your brand, because your brand is Humboldt. Absolutely. And it's and the real deal. Sorry, sorry, I didn't mean it. Yeah, and I just want to say, you know, um, Steve and I, you know, we're the elders here. This is my daughter. And, and when you really do something that is right and truthful, like we did in the 70s and 80s, then your children get it. And what, and what you have created will continue. I'm looking out here. This is Kmud out here, these young people out here. Here. They're from Kmud. <laughs> and they're young. Ooh. And they believe in what we believed in. And if you speak your truth, you know, it'll follow. And I can leave this earth and know that K-Mud's going to be just fine. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, stick around for the end of the panel, at least. <laughs> um, and just to, to finish that point, like, cannabis from this county went all over the place. And you know what? It healed people. It healed people's bodies. It healed people's minds. It changed. If without cannabis, we would not have ended the war on cannabis because nobody would have known what they were missing. And so many people who benefited from this plant did so because of the people here who grew it and shared it and spread it. And I think in the next phase for Humboldt, 
it's also going to be about exporting ideas and values that this community has learned sometimes the hard way, but that everyone needs to know. Like, I don't need to detail the problems that we're just facing as a planet and as a society, but when we look for hope, of course we have to look in places that have been through big problems. And just like the cannabis from Humboldt County had that healing effect, changed people's opinions about cannabis, changed people's hearts and minds, maybe it saved your aunt's life because she was going through chemo. Maybe it changed you from, you know, I always say weed's not the cure for being an a-hole. It's just a good place to start. <laughs> it worked for me, you know, and we have a pretty big a-hole problem in this country. <laughs> and weed's a part of fixing it, but the values and the community that I see here when I visit and when I look at the history as somebody very interested in the history of this plant, as I said, going back 10,000 years, this isn't a page, this is a chapter in this plant's history. And, and when we think of everything beautiful this plant brings to us, I think it's worth fighting for. I'm so humbled and grateful to be here with people who fought that fought. And I know it's hard to hear, but you're winning. You haven't won, we haven't won. There's a lot of losses along the way to winning, but the trajectory is better. And the future is going to be bright if you can stick together. And I know that you can. And Agnes, I think you know your words really put it best that you see this generationally going, not just this plant, but these values and this culture. And so I want to thank you all for sharing the stage with me, for sharing your experiences with me, for coming out tonight. Um, we're going to have coming up a excerpt from a film called Tending the Garden, which is about regenerative cannabis farming and, you know, a really a new and a second and third generation people looking at a new ways to grow this plant, to share this plant. Um, so if anybody has some final thoughts on the bright future of cannabis in Humboldt County or anything we talked about, um, and then we'll be, we'll be starting the film pretty soon after. Okay, great, I'll just keep it short. But my mom, thankfully, she taught me about two really important values that really carry through with me today. And one of them is spirit, spirituality. She's always been very spiritual with the plant from the time I was just a child and all the way through. And so it's like, so just having this, growing up with that experience and then also Coming, you know, I, I was raised by activists, and then here I am looking like capitalism, like dead in the eye, and being like, what are you doing? You know, like, this is cold, this is ruthless, this doesn't wait for anybody, this is not where you want to be going, this is like what you've been avoiding, and thinking about like what I was going into and what my plan was, and what I realized, you know, it's like, what's your relationship with like money and, and wealth and, and businesses? And, and, and when I was growing up, my mom, you know, she'd be like, Sunshine, you gotta fly, it's like fly under the radar, it was called. She's like, don't ever grow too much. 
You don't ever want to bring any heat in the neighborhood. You just want to, like, keep it on the low, you know. And she's always, like, telling me this. And now I'm like, okay, now I'm going to get a permit. I'm going to scale up. I'm going to grow all this weed. And then I'm like, what am I doing, you know. And so I'm, like, thinking about it. But anyway, what it came down to is, is this, is that my, with my brand, I could continue my, my activism because we would grow to save Redwoods. I was like, you can still do the same thing. You can create a brand, and that brand can go and save Redwoods. You can keep, and not, not only that, you have your brand now to carry your message, because that was always one of the hardest parts with, with activism, was how are you going to get your message out? And I was like, okay, I got this. And so that's what makes me feel good about, you know, just moving into the future. Absolutely. Can I uh, share a couple of stories? Please. Okay. So one is early, and one is later. And uh, the early one is I had a 20-acre piece in... Um, uh, northern Mendo, and I was living there with my wife and three kids, and we were close to Cobb Mountain. My grow was on Cobb Mountain, and um, I had hair down. To, I'm in camouflage now, in case you wondered. I had hair down to the bottom of my back, and um, I had aspirations to be a writer, and I'm busily typing on my typewriter, and I look like this, and there's a cop walking up to my house. Okay, and I go out, and he's got a gun, right? And it's it's you know it's not a nice gun, and he's pointed right at me. I put my hands up, and I say, I have uh, a wife and three children here. Where's your grow? I, I don't have a grow. I did. It was over there, but they <laughs> they didn't know. Uh, I guess that's the operative part. They didn't know. But um, and and and, and I says, well. Show us what you've done. And I, I had, there was an old grow that had been dead for years on the border of my property. I wanted to get these people away from my family really, really bad. And so uh, I took them down to this abandoned grow. In the meantime, my wife is emptying the ashtrays, taking out the roaches, going around the house, making sure it's clean, because we assume that they're going to come in the house. They come back up, and that's exactly what they did. They came in the house without a warrant. And uh, I knew about warrants and all that, but, you know, I'm just a naive hippie. Um, later on, my son, he says he was so proud of me. And I thought, why were you proud of me? Because I wasn't doing anything. Well, it turned out we had a little cabin with a double-decker trailer next to it. And if you walked up the little stairs on the double-decker, there was a closet above the stairs, and there was six pounds in the closet. Plenty to get me busted. Uh, but I'd forgotten they were there. <laughs> Guys, it's a real bad habit. But I, I forgot they were there. I have other stories about forgetting pot that was there, but I, you, you don't get to hear those. But anyway, uh, and, and I finally got pissed off because they didn't have a goddamn warrant, and they were all over my house. And I got three kids, and finally I, I, I didn't know what was going to happen, but I put my hands up because they were going to go up the stairs into the bedrooms. And I said, you guys haven't got a warrant. You can't, you gotta leave, okay? Uh, that was the point where my kid thought I was like, Jesus Christ. But remember, I'd forgotten that the pot was right above my head while I stood on those steps. And uh, the police left, right? And I got to keep the pot. Um, but they got something too, because I had like four really 
just awful looking male plants <laughs> off around the side over here because they didn't come from me. They came from my neighbors and they came and of course visited me, bless their hearts. And they walked out with my three absolutely ugly males, right? And I remember the sheriff as they were walking past with these things, he was fingering my pots. Okay, there were pots, I had a bunch of pots. There, were never, there was never any pot in those pots, ever, not once. It was daisies or whatever the, the hell I was trying to do, you know. So that's the old one. Now, here's a newer one. Uh, not quite into legal time, but um, you know when, when a bust was coming, if most of you are familiar with this, um, they would come and do a surveillance. And they'd, uh, like Agnes, you know, with your finger up in the air, uh, that's what I would do. As soon as I saw them surveilling me, it was like, uh, how can it get worse? And <laughs> I'd make sure they could see me. And <clears throat> they were actually coming for my neighbor the next day. And from my patio and my deck, I could see them busting my neighbor down in the creek. Now that year they decided to hire yahoos. It wasn't sheriffs, it was somebody they hired. And these people were just, you know, they were dropping down on ropes and they were hanging on to the nets and they were doing all kinds of, if I was in charge of insurance and expenses, I would have been upset, but it doesn't matter. They were doing that. And they went down, and they took up pot from my neighbor, and they went down, and they took up pot, and I assume it was all gone, but I was next. And they came up to my grow, which was sort of down and below my house. But it was a really steep little hole, and they couldn't land the helicopter, because it just turned out there were a bunch of dropped trees I, I didn't drop them, but um, uh, the, they, they, there they were with their stumps and they couldn't land. And they tried, and they tried. And I had a couple of young women with me, uh, uh, trimmers who had become workers for me, and we were drinking white wine, Sauvignon Blanc, while these guys were trying to land, right? The girls were very excited. Um, and. We went off to the edge of the deck where we could see them closer, and they were going down, but they couldn't land. And they came up, they did it five times, five times. Uh, I counted. And on the last time, I could see the guy's eyes right in the helicopter. <laughs> so I toasted him with my wine. The girls did too. And uh, it, was, it was curious because the guy in the helicopter, he's just a guy. Uh, he started laughing. I could see him. He was laughing in the helicopter, you know, and then they couldn't land, so they went away. And um, I, I'm kind of making light of it, but that's what life was like then, right? Yeah, well, I, I had, you know, I had the experience of, you know, walking on my property to go water some plants on the other side of the road. And this was right around Green Sweep, which is another whole story. Yeah. Um, and um, as I was going up, 
all of a sudden there's these two young, and they're in camels. They were like searching the neighbor, just walking in the hills. And I'm like, what are you doing here? He goes, oh, well, I think we're lost. And I, and I was at that time, you know, my girlfriend was visiting me and I was just my kids. I didn't have a partner or anything. And uh, I started chasing him and they started running. They started running and I'm screaming, you know, John, get the rifle, get the rifle. And of course, I had no rifle and there was no John, but I'm screaming this out because I want to get rid of these guys. And my neighbor later on said, Agnes, I think they ran all the way to San Francisco. <laughs> all right, well, among many lessons you. learned tonight, don't mess with Agnes. Don't mess with Agnes. Is uh, no. one I think I'll leave you with. We're going to have to get our film going and... Can I just have, I just got this message sure. and I really want to put it out here because the Institute for Justice Lawyers are hosting a town hall here at the Mateel, I believe it's Wednesday, but it's November 16th at 6 p.m. and they're going to talk about abatement, a lawsuit, and a class action lawsuit. So again, that's six o'clock here at the Mateel. It's the lawyers for the Institute for Justice. Absolutely, that sounds like a bit more of fighting back to me and I'm glad to hear it. And it really does segue into our film that we're gonna show now, Tending the Garden, and we're gonna have a panel with the filmmaker and some of... Go get it. I've got a joint from John Casale. What? We, everyone knows you grow weed, John. <laughs> I don't think that's a secret. I don't think I threw you under the bus on that. And if they don't, you need to get better at your job. I'm just saying. Make it loud. You can tell people now, you guys. I grow good weed. Don't t wait. Tell everyone. The weed is special here. I think it needs to be protected. I think you guys are rightfully upset with what's happening. But as someone that is that adores who you guys are more than the place that you're at. Like Humboldt County is, is a special place, sure. But what makes it special is, is y'all. Like I've traveled all over the country my whole adult life. That's all I've done is go around the country talking crap. You're welcome. But that's what I do for a living, and I love places. Like that's it. It really helps with my job. Is I like to travel. I like unique people, and I like unique cultures. And our country doesn't have many unique places left. A lot of it is super homogenized, like agriculture, like everything else. It's like there's just a Bed Bath and Beyond and a Best Buy, and that's what most of this country has turned into. And it, people don't like it. It's not doesn't make people happy. But when I come here in like New Orleans and some places in Oregon and like there are these bastions of like of culture and left and you guys have it. And it's not because I mean, the geography has a little bit to do with it because you got to want it to get here. But once you get here, you don't want to leave like I don't if I didn't have a family and all that, I would have a hard time leaving every time. But I hear how angry you guys are. I heard it all night, but you're also incredible, and you're doing something incredible, and you're inspiring people, but, like, I don't know if you could see on that movie, like, how happy everyone 
was on their farms. Like there's something that, that needs to be shown. That's why we started Grown Local was because I realized there's a stigma about cannabis. It helps, it helps people. It helps everyone involved with it. If you put in what you get, what you put into that plant, it will give you back tenfold, honestly. I've seen it multiple times. So getting the word out about who you guys are like putting a face on who grows our cannabis was like the whole reason I started Grown Local was to put a face like who you guys are. And I know you're mad and upset right now because you, rightfully, you're the, you're the originators. You grew it the way it's supposed to be grown. And you're still learning and you're still progressing, which is the coolest thing. So don't, don't get discouraged. Get motivated. Use that, that anger as the fuel to keep moving. Like, I was, I was so worried about the tax stuff that it was going to take a lot of you guys out that I had met in the last couple years. But you guys, I watched it happen. You banded together, and you screamed and yelled, and you, like, like K-Mud, you came together, and you're like, hey, they're over here. Watch out. Hey, they're over here. Instead, it's a new enemy and what you guys did is banded together again and you went to the capitol and you yelled at Newsom and you yelled at the right people and they listened to you guys because you're not trying to get rich you're trying to show people how to do it so don't get discouraged I want to I'm preaching across the country about protecting small farmers and home grows because the corporation stuff is going to happen but if we carve that niche in they can't mess with us anymore because that's us that's the small people who are going to show us the way eventually. And you all know that. But don't get discouraged. Use that anger to push through and build stuff like that and be louder. And if you need my help, call me. I'm good at talking. I can't grow weed for poop. You're scary. You know that? Like, <laughs> like normally I would just be like, shit and blah, blah, blah. But like got like a weird thing about her. like I don't know she seems to be disappointed and I don't like it <laughs> so you're great keep using those powers you guys thank you so much I'll be in touch about next year very soon keep spreading the word I'll keep spreading the word if you guys need any help holler and we'll do exactly what we can um if anyone wants to take me over you got like a helicopter or something that'd be awesome you're a driver? That's not what I needed. I appreciate your honesty, though. That's the information I need before I get in the car with you. Oh, my gosh. Just okay. Hell, yeah. That's, we do take donations. Uh, what are you giving me? Oh. Oh. This ain't your last three joints. Don't act like you don't have 900 at home. Okay. That was, that was some smooth Humboldt talk. These are my last three joints. No, it ain't. No, it ain't. But this smells amazing, and thank you. I'm glad I'm driving. Okay. What, what are you doing? Oh, that's... Oh. It's not cannabis. 
this is a different kind of medicine that I cannot take for sure before I drive on that moment. <laughs> I almost did it again. K-Mud after dark. <laughs> I bet it gets real weird. You can't see where whose hands are where. Or... I'll just, we're on a kid's show now. I need to stop. You guys, next year, we're going to have so much fun. I got to I gotta get out of here. Thank, guys, K-Mud, thank you so much. Thank you for donating, guys. Uh, I'll, real quick, I have a stand-up special coming out November 7th. It's in 11 days. It's on a Thursday. Uh, we'll do a premiere there, and it'll be online. I, if you follow Grown Local or me, I'll be very loud about it, but I'm very proud about it. It's, it's about what we did was me and the director wrapped this really trippy, uh, cool DMT trip art piece around a really cool stand-up special. So I think Humboldt will really dig what I did. So, guys, thank you. Have a great night. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you.